All right, now we have tape comments, starting first with Ron and Santa. All right, here's Ron. All right, I'm voting Minko off the island. I thought Sid's, uh, Sid's presentation was strong today, and it was very funny. I thought he had the upper hand on humor. So we're going with Sid on the island, Minko off the island. Touch me in the pouring rain And the moment that you wander far from me I want to feel you in my arms again And you come to me on a summer breeze Keep me warm in your love Then you softly leave And it's me you That's a great memory right there. The Sportscaster Showdown. Me and John Minko and Ron and Santa proving his loyalty. Before I get to uh, Ronnie, who Bernie loved and been a friend of ours for over 20 years. The, uh, the story I read yesterday in the business section of the New York Post I found interesting. You know, the Rangers won last night. They're 2-0. The Knicks may have a good season. We'll see. The, um, the Liberty, of course, uh, not very good. But the story read that the Dolan family, Jimmy Dolan, who owns the Knicks and the Rangers, used to own the Liberty, and his uncle Larry Dolan, he owns the Cleveland Guardians, who are playing the Yankees in a game two today. And if, in fact, the Yankees beat the Guardians, which they will, the Dolan family will have suffered 100 combined seasons without a championship. That is the longest, the longest-running drought in terms of company-owned, family-owned sports teams in history. The Dolan family, Jimmy Dolan, owner of the Knicks and Rangers, and his uncle Larry, who owns the Guardians, they're going to lose to Nessa Cortez and the Yankees today. I know, Ron, you're probably aware of that, right? (laughs) I am now. It doesn't shock me by any stretch of the imagination. That Um, is, uh, yes, the, uh, the futility of the Dolans, although, listen, (laughs) <laughs> you got millions and millions of dollars. You own sports franchises. You're doing pretty good. But as Mike Breen said, Ron, at the funeral <laughs> a couple Breen. of days, yeah, Breen's the best. As he said at the funeral a couple of days ago, it's not how much money you've got. It's not how many cars or homes you've got. You are judged when it's over by the amount of friends and people who love you. And spending the last week honoring and mourning my friend Bernie, he was a very rich man. Yes, he was indeed. Let's. I mean, and and. Bernie and I go back to, good Lord, 1997 was the first time I did the I Miss in the Morning show. And I, w- I had been so blown away by the show and, and the contributions that everybody made. Uh, you know, and b- before you, it was Breen and, and Bernie and Lou and I Miss and, and uh, everyone else on Charles, the show. Was, Charles, and, don't forget Charles. Yeah, Charles, oh, Charles. I love Charles, of course. And, and, and Larry and, and uh, gosh. Fat Rob. Fat Rob. Yeah, Fat Rob. Yeah. Fat Rob is a beautiful <laughs> human being. Yeah, and listen, listen. Bernie, I, Bernie's sense of humor was was just unique and extraordinary. I mean, who doesn't belong and why? Uh, the imitations of the Cardinal that didn't go over terribly well in New York City, um, <laughs> which yeah, I, I before I ever got on the show, it's funny. I, in ironic, at one point I had said to my wife, and we were we're newly married at the time. I said, God, I, if I could just do the business stuff for these guys, I, I would be extraordinarily happy. And I accidentally got on the show one morning when. Um, Something was going on with Westinghouse, and 
and during the takeover of whatever you know group that you guys were affiliated with at the time, and they they were calling for Lou Dobbs, and and Imus kept saying, "Get that fat Lou Dobbs on the air." And Terry Irving, who produced the MSNBC simulcast the show, called the CNBC desk and got me on the show instead because I didn't want Dobbs on MSNBC. And it was the first time I did the show. I got through it. I called back a week later to give him an update on the information. I called back the week after that, and Imus told me never to call again. <laughs> and, and for two years, I would get so nervous getting on that show. My stomach would churn, and my wife was like, why are you doing it? I said, I have a book coming out. Why do you think I'm doing it? <laughs> and it ended, up lasting, you know, it ended up lasting for years. And listen, Bernie was gracious and, and always funny and always warm and always kind to me. And a couple of times that I actually came in in the studio, it was including the the cut you played when we were all there uh, trying to decide who would take Breen's place. And I'll tell you, that was a morning, you know, Bernie and Lou were, you know, in, in the control room and Lupica and Boomer Esiason, Dick Cavett, um, Breen, and I'm trying to remember who else was Well, you also had uh, Ivy and Dweck, uh, those uh, yeah. guys, they were yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and, you had Mike and Chris on the phone, Deirdre on the phone. Um, <laughs> uh, Joseph Abood was also in studio. Yeah, was there. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. really, and really it was, it was long after Breen because I think after Breen you had McEnroe. And then you had the combination of Warner Wolf right. and John Minko. And those yep. are really the guys that I eventually replaced on a daily basis, Minko and Warner. But that was one of the all-time great IMA shows, I think, in the history of the station. Yeah, and it was great fun. And, and listen, I mean, you know, I had great love for Bernie. I, you know, and listen, he, he, he should have never departed this soon. That's the one yeah. thing that just yeah. kind of blows my mind. I mean, yeah. it, it's just hard, impossible to imagine. One of the things you know? that all the guests always tell me the last couple of days is when they would call into the, the hotline at WFAN, Bernard would pick up and he would tell all the guests exactly how angry I miss one that morning. It was kind of like, you know, kind of like you know yeah. the, the homeland security of the different colors, yellow, orange. He was never in a good mood, but he was certainly more angry certain days than others. And Bernie would kind of tip you guys off. Yes. Yeah, and and there was one morning that Bernie called me up, and I was I was playing nine holes by myself before I went into CNBC. I was just out, you know, chilling. And Bernie calls me because I just wants to talk to you. And I said, oh, is it about the Greenspan speech? It's coming later today. He goes, no, it's about the piece in the post that's about you. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh my, no one's called me about the piece in the post about me. And it was <laughs> something about me. And this guy had completely made this up that I thought I was going to replace Tom Brokaw in the anchor chair on NBC Nightly News. Oh, you did. You told me that, too. <laughs> and he, right, yeah, yeah. I never even said that to my wife. And 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 the one thing that I missed did that morning was he goes, "Hey, you watch your back. Somebody's got it out for you." Because we all know that's not what you think. And I was like, "Thank you for saying that." Because it would have been Brian Williams had already been teed up for the job, and it was just one of the it was a, one of the most uncomfortable moments I had in my career. And, you know, Bernie gave me the heads up before I heard from anybody else <laughs> that I knew that it was in the post that morning. That's funny. So well, when I get ready to ask you now about the current uh, problems, inflation, recession, that type yeah. of thing, the majority of times you went on, I miss it was basically an economic discussion. Yes, it was. And his eyes would glaze over and, and you know, Charles would, would chastise him for falling asleep while I was talking. <laughs> and then I miss would wish that I was dead and I would reciprocate in kind. And, you know, it was, and, you know, Brokaw and Russer and Andrea Mitchell and everybody else from NBC who used to go on, you know, would take it as far as we could take it without getting fired. And there were times that I miss brought up stuff about our bosses, yeah. you know, whether oh, it was yeah. Jack Welch or Bob Wright or whomever oh, that would, you know, take us 
to a place that if, if we'd responded incorrectly, you know, quite frankly, it would have been our behind, you know, <laughs> and you just, you, you'd hang up the phone and, you know, you just take this deep breath because, you know, and, and Bernie might egg him on at one point. Um, no, Charles, not my good. Bernie. He wouldn't do that. Come on. <laughs> once in a while. Charles was, was the voice of reason. He was like, please listen to the man, listen to the man, wake up, listen to the man. And uh, <laughs> Bernie would, you know, occasionally throw something in there uh, just to keep keep the fire going. Uh, but no, listen, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I personally think, and I thought it before I ever got on the show, that it was the best morning radio show that I had ever heard. Yeah, you know, well, I know people were divided over yeah, personalities yeah, and who they liked in New York yeah. and around the country, but it was smart. It was funny. And, and the writing that took place with Bernie, with Charles, with Rob, with Larry, you know, everybody who got involved in putting that show together, um, it, it was always smart. It was always funny. It was sometimes a little beyond the, you know, beyond the pale, but you know, that notwithstanding, I don't know. It was, I, I listened to it every day, whether I was on it or not. And so, in fact, an old boss of mine had turned me on to it when I moved out from California to join CNBC, and I started listening to it in the, I guess, early to mid-90s, before, long before I ever got on the show. That was quite I a mean, collection like, of talent, I will tell you that. Quite a really collection was. of talent. I mean, it yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was just always yeah. funny. The satire was funny. Yep. The impersonations were funny. Um, again, the Cardinal was very funny. That was great. Uh, you know, talking about California, the cover of today's New York Post, and I hate to put a damp on all this uh, celebration, which is great. And no, no, seriously, since Bernie really did love you because they go, why don't you bring on Gasparino or Cudlow or Crowley? Why are you talking to that liberal Ron Insana? And we're like, because he's our friend and he's really smart. So suck it. Uh, the cover of the post. Uh, <laughs> the cover of the post says, "Lies, damned lies," and Joe Biden, president again, dismisses brutal inflation despite forty-year high inflation, eight point two percent, and Joe Biden is walking around beating his chest like his uh, ridiculous act that he just signed has found a way to beat that. When's he going to stop, Ron? Come on, come on. Well, listen. The, the- in, in some ways, there, there's accuracy in what he's saying. The rate of inflation is decelerating a bit. It's starting to come down. If you take out, if you take out one component, Alan Reynolds at the American Enterprise Institute, which is not, by the way, a, a liberal think tank by any stretch of the imagination, nor is Alan, points out that if you take out rent, which rents, which are beginning to fall around the country, and there's a, a big lag between how they're figured into the consumer price index and, and where they are at any given point in time, you actually have seen inflation begin to fall. And and uh, on a three month basis, it's gone nowhere. So we're starting to see some improvement. It's just it's been you know painfully slow. Now, people keep comparing this to the 70s and the early 80s. That was a 15 year process. This is a 15 month process. The supply disruptions that have pushed up prices of things where there have been shortages have been all but eliminated. And look, I still think, and I've been saying this for months now, that inflation is going to roll over. There are other people who disagree, but I, I don't. I don't think the president's wrong. When when you measure it across months, as opposed to the year over year, the rate of increase has decelerated, not accelerated. Sixty seconds to go. Recession. Yeah. I don't care who defines it. We know what it is. Okay. And every economist I watch is predicting doom and gloom. Even I should say uh, uh, doom and gloom. Uh, doom. Even even his own folks at this point, Janet Yellen, you know, she can't even uh, defend him at this point. Recession. Is it around the corner, and how bad is it going to get? If the Fed keeps raising rates, which after yesterday's data, we expect them to raise another three-quarter point in, in, in November and probably a half in December, 
they're going to lock in some sort of recession. And the Fed is already committed to slowing the economy enough to bring down inflation in, in a more noticeable way. So it's probably unavoidable at this point, a very narrow window to go through to get a soft landing. So, look, it's, it's probably going to happen. If for some reason the Fed stops raising rates, we can avoid it. But I would expect in the third quarter is actually going to yeah. show positive growth. But by the end of the year, early next year, we'll see some typical weakness that's associated with the recession. Give me a number 30 seconds ago. How high do you think those rates, interest rates could actually go? How high? Uh, between four and a half and five. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Listen, uh, Bernie, Bernie, love you. I, I, you know how much I love, I love you. Yeah. I know you love yeah, him and too. I love you too. Yeah. I love you too. You're great. You're smart. You're funny. You are loyal with a capital L. You're great to me and my family. And we're going to do a movie together coming up. So it's all good. Yes, we are. Yes. Uh, by the way, that's getting very much closer. Very oh, good. Much closer. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But more importantly, again, Bernie does love you. So does Lou. Lou's a big Ron and Santa fan. There you go. I, I love Lou. Who's the He's best. short. He's shorter than me, which is why I love him. Is that true, Lou? Is that what is true? That you're shorter than Ron and Santa? I'm sure. We, we can <laughs> go toe-to-toe. Yeah. I mean, I'll come back in the studio. We'll do a measurement. Yeah, come in. Come in and stand up against him. That'll be great. We love you, Ronnie. This was a great piece this morning. Thank you so much. All right, you be good, guys. Take care. Ron and Santa. Many, many years. A dear friend of Imus, Bernie, Lou, me, all of ours. And there he is.